Davis being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What's up, Bolt fan? Welcome to the Victory Pod! Another edition of the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. I am your host, Andy Prophet, and I'm joined by a couple of winners this week. For when the team wins, we win. Jack Reed and Alistair Lloyd, how we doing, gents? Good, mate. Good, mate. Good to get a win, finally. Bad time. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, although I'm nursing an injury, uh, listeners, I have to tell a tale. Andy and, I watching the, Andy and I watching the game at my place. First touchdown to Austin Eckler. We get up in a vigorous handshake, manshake, high five, and I just hear this crunch. And I, f- I think I've dislocated my fin- thumb potentially. And he's looked, thankfully, wasn't out of uh, out of joint, but it's definitely sprained. So I think that celebration is questionable to return. Uh, we might have to work on our <laughs> post-touchdown <laughs> celebration because the thumb is sore four days later. That's good. Just a just a fist bump throughout, and then maybe a hug uh, when we get the W. So yeah. yeah, it made made some awful crunches, and uh, we got to sort that out. We're out of though. practice, you know, so that's true. That is Chargers true. keep scoring. We'll perfect it by the end of the season. That's it. It will just be just a casual glance at one another. Yeah, we did it. Well, on that note, probably a touch less heated this week on the show with a win under the belt and, you know, a bit of a feel, a bit of uh, better feels with a three and four record. Um, under no circumstances, listeners, should our relief and enjoyment of this result be mistaken for us thinking that uh, we've locked in a playoffs berth or, you know, the season, you know, <laughs> we're bloody we're crushing it. We'll just take it a week at a time. Um, it is nice to bask in a positive result, though, so that we shall to a degree, although Jack is already disagreeing with me. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> perhaps the Wins Irksome fans, those rooting strong and hard for Staley to to be removed as coach. Um, the three of us will yeah, break down the win over <laughs> the three of us will break down the win over the Bears. Um, a couple of fun Q and A's with Jack's just give me thirty, and then check over the New York Jets Chargers Week Nine opponent. All right, let's get into it. Chicago Bears thirteen, Los Angeles Chargers thirty. Gotta have it game. With the landscape of the week's games as they were, a loss would have had the bolts at the bottom of the AFC West. And Staley rocking the clean shaved look, he could have been making the executioners cut that little bit cleaner. But we don't need to worry about that because the Bolts got it done for this week at least. Asante Samuel Jr. took a minute to realise he was playing football. The opening play on defence sent fear through Chargers fans alike. There would have been no dislocated thumb. But from there on, it was men against boys. Back-to-back touchdowns, drives by Herbert, steadied the ship and put the game out of reach early on, taking a 24-7 lead into halftime. Not super peachy in the second half, adding only two Cameron Dicker field goals, but it was enough to get the job done. Jack, with that shake of the head, over to you, my man. Well, you said it well. Uh, I just said well in two times there. All right, let's go. Wake up. Dad brain off, pod game on. Let's go. Uh, I was very upset when I saw that first pass go down the field. Uh, I didn't get up and sprain anything. Uh, I had a child on me at the time. So uh, Molly might have gone through the ceiling if I was uh, a little... Le- a little less controlled in my emotions, but my God, it seems to happen every time at a critical moment. You know, we've just had a, uh, a, you know, we've deferred and we've got this, as Kyle, a good friend of the podcast would say, not even a backup quarterback in Badgent playing. Uh, he's a Div Div 2 quarterback. Uh, look, all of a sudden made him look like Aaron Rodgers back there. So that was very frustrating. And then there was that drop pass. But was it Darnell Mooney who dropped it? Or who was that in the in Valus Jones. Valus Jones, the other speedster. Um, and lucky he was a rookie and he dropped it. So, yeah, listen, not not a great start. But, yeah, you're right, Andy. Men against boys and we eventually got there. So um, I'm going to – I've got some barbs to throw at Kellen Moore on the offense. But I, maybe we should start positive. 
let's start positive because it, it wasn't the perfect performance, but it was the perfect result. And it was a professional performance. Uh, as close to a complimentary game as we've seen for a while. Uh, the largest win we've seen, a multiple score win since uh, New Year's Day. The game at SoFi Stadium I went to with Kyle against the LA Rams. And this game really could have gone four ways. We could have been having four different types of pods. There's the blowout loss, the sort of Seattle-Jacksonville disaster where we're talking about a new coach, you know, all that kind of gear. There could have been a close loss, some kind of a heartbreaker, last second sort of stuff. An underwhelming victory where we just scraped through by three points and no one's feeling much of anything. Or the best possible outcome, which was a dominant comprehensive win and the only outcome that leaves you just distantly thinking it is possible that the team can turn around their fortunes this year. So I'll start with that. I'm grateful that what we're discussing today on this victory podcast is really the best case scenario. And Herbert had a massive game in primetime. So good news from yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, as as fans who know what the potential can be, you're always left just wanting a little bit more, you know. And I guess that's sort of no, nothing's nothing's ever perfect. Uh, and I don't think the performance was far far from it. But you, yeah, you're right. I'm I'm happy and relieved. But I I just wanted a bit more. I wanted the couple of kill shots in as the game wore on. That sort of you know, flailing along a bit. I'm, I'm going into negatives already. Sorry. Um, flailing along a bit with two field goals in the second half. And, you know, it just, just sort of felt like they put the cue in the rack nice and early. Uh, and then you leave Herbert on the field. So interesting stuff. Um, well, let's talk about the cue. Well, I was going to say Q, that was the segue. Yeah. Gosh, I thought it was great, uh, to see him. He, I had a. I was tweeting during the game, and there was that the first, that touchdown pass to Simi Fihoko. Uh, I sort of thought that QJ was wide open. Some people agree with me. Some people didn't. On rewatch, on watch, you can see the corner in in the cover um, was sort of pushing out to cover QJ. But there was heaps of space, and if we didn't draft QJ to get the ball to him in those situations, so he can make a couple of guys miss and speed up the field. Uh, but we got the touchdown anyway, so beggars can't be choosers. Uh, and then he made, then he had a couple of slips, didn't look good, and I've gone, oh no, this is another, this is this primetime game. Everyone's going to be on QJ. But then he Herbert started to throw the ball his way, made a couple of catches, and there was just those glimpses of that athleticism that we saw with him in college. And you go, oh, oh, wow, that's special. And he's able to do that at the NFL level. Probably needs new cleats, I think it looks like, because he keeps on freaking slipping over all the time. Um, but in terms of the narrative that's around QJ, that changed, I thought, in all the other media outlets because it was prime time. Everyone was watching. So well done, QJ. And good on you, Herbert, for, and perhaps more for getting him the ball uh, more so. Yeah, I totally agree. And as you said, Jack, it didn't start well with the – the, the design manufactured touch, the quick screen where he slipped on it. That was mm. okay. Even when they try to give him something, he can't, he looks like a baby giraffe. But yeah. as you said, he worked his way through it and that takes good mental concentration, aptitude. And I'm really rooting for him because he does seem like a lovely young man. Uh, this In this game, for it to have been as dominant as it was, I think the pass protection had to play and hold up the way it did. It's been a big concern the last three weeks. Yes, the Bears are a pitiful defense, so maybe don't read too much into it. However, Justin Herbert was only pressured on eight of his dropbacks. That's 19.5%. That is as about, about as low as you will see in the NFL. And Herbert will deal if you give him that much time to operate, and he did. He had his 300 yards, three touchdown performance. I thought part of that was deliberately by design. It was quite interesting to note that in this game, it was Herbert's lowest average depth of target for the year at 5.1. It was almost a reversion back to the Lombardi era quick passing game. 86.1% adjusted completion percentage, low time to throw. And the kicker, 27 of his 30 passes were under 10 air yards, which is the second lowest of his career. So I think... Part of that is because the run game isn't working and they're looking for a substitute to the running game. Can we kind of mm, manufacture correct. a running game with quick game, right? Like but you got to, yeah. like the Vikes, you got to be careful though, because this works against zone heavy teams like Eberflus and his Bears. But you see, you play teams like Dallas and the Chiefs, hasn't worked. So 
it will be just interesting to see how that develops. But that was a key takeaway for me. We had this time to time to play, terrible defense, and we we diced him in the first half. Yeah, agreed with you. He he looks like he's sort of shaken off that that finger injury as well. He looked a little bit more comfortable without the the jumbo glove on, and um, uh, just yeah, a little bit more um, comfortable. Um, good to see him. You know, getting getting the ball out to QJ, like you guys said. I mean, the the big step for me on him, just to harp back on it, because we've been questioning and and sometimes you know pretty concerned with that pick and and what it's doing for our offense or not doing. But the um, his average depth of target was eight point five yards across his um, four targets. So as he's getting more of a role, and I feel like Kellen to couple with that, that Kellen is starting to work out how to use him a little bit better, you know, not having a, a massively deep, um, deep attempts. Or I think against Minnesota, he had three reception or two receptions for, um, his average depth of target was one. Uh, so a lot of the stuff behind the, uh, the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, you're right. The run game for me, I'll get into that a little bit later. I was disappointed in how the run game just didn't fire. Um, but look, Jack, let's let's move on to the defense and mm. uh, what you saw there. Yeah, huge. I mean, shout out. Alistair posted uh, a great one from our Twitter handle about not only Eric Kendricks, but K9. And credit where credit's due. This guy's put together three, four, five games now where he is playing really well. He's playing instinctually. He's playing fast. He's playing heavy. You know, gosh, he, he throws himself... Um, at some of those runners sometimes. He's tackling really well. It all sort of seems like it's coming together. And, you know, touch wood that he continues to learn off Kendricks and he continues to perform. Kendricks probably had his best game as a charger, I would suggest as well. In coverage, he was excellent. Um, the middle of the field didn't look as soft. Listen, yeah, okay, put a hashtag there or a, a little dot. We're talking about Tyson Badgett here and the Bears who are uh, – they're te- as uh, as Matt Money – is it Matt Money or um, who's the other guy that talks uh, the the podcast, Alistair, that we listen to? Fuck. Who's I've, Harry? Dan Hansen. No, no. <laughs> Which he podcast? does it with Bucky, Bro- Bucky Brooks. He does it with yeah, Bucky Brooks. Yeah, Dan Jeremiah. Oh, Dan Jeremiah, sorry. Yeah, there we go. Uh, baby brain. Again. <laughs> He says the Bears are. Should we start again, play- Andy? Yeah, we should. <laughs> the Bears are ten players away from even. Be- they're ten players away from being ten players away. So, uh, but listen, K nine shout out. We've been pretty rough on you with this podcast. So well done, sir. Yeah, totally agree. And you, it's being reflected in the run defense stats. Would you believe the Chargers right now are the tenth best run defense unit based on yards per attempt? Incredible. It's just such a shame that the pass coverage has kind of disappeared this year because the, the first two years of the Brandon Staley experience was they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. Finally, they, you know, even the Bears who have been running over everyone were kept to 71 yards off 18 designed run, runs from their running backs. And it's, it's a genuine strength of the defense, something to build upon. And I think Kenny Murray's key to that and Hendricks, Kendrick's beside him. Uh, also, we don't really acknowledge this, but we had a new linebacker coach this year, Jeff Howard, who came across from the Browns, and I think Ficken knew him back in Minnesota. And our linebacking group looks great. When you talk about yeah. Murray and Kendricks and Henley and Neiman and Ogbong Bamiga, I reckon that guy's had a fantastic year. So mm. a shout out to Jeff Howard as well. Yeah, because I reckon 12 months removed, we were talking about, well, you know, 18 months removed, we were talking about um, is the linebacker position null and void in Staley's defense? And it seems to be a consistent, you know, improved and shining light in, in this unit. Um, there was a couple of plays, I think Kendricks ended up matched up on DJ Moore and probably yep. got done for about 18 yards. But on the whole, he was, yeah, it was close. On the whole, he really came back into his own and had that great athletic pass breakup for an old fella. Um and looked great, and both of them just are really kind of holding that fragility of the defensive unit together. Um, you're seeing a lot more sort of consistent play. Uh, what do we think of the that, secondary, though? Oh. No, no, I, th- I thought the secondary was great. Why don't we shout out first interception of Jasir Taylor's career? Uh, that ball. was a that was a nice moment of you know. Um, 
unspoken understanding between Jasir Taylor and Asante about the, mm. the coverage rules, pattern match rules. And Bajan got a bit tricked, saw one thing pre-snap, saw another post. And this is where the zone defense sometimes does work, especially against inexperienced quarterbacks who don't quite know what they're seeing. I don't know where he threw that. He threw that nowhere near the receiver and Jasir has just plopped and gone, thanks very much. So that was good, I thought. And it's nice to have Aloe Gilman back as well, isn't it, Jack? He's um, a, he's a good difference. player. Yeah, he makes a big difference on that back end. I still didn't think Derwin James had a had a dominant game. I'm still waiting for Derwin James to to feel comfortable out there. It just doesn't look comfortable. I'd, that's the only way that I can describe it. Yeah, he's making plays and he's one of the most ferocious tacklers and best tacklers on the team. Uh, but but Gilman sort of it feels safer. It feels a little more. Apart from those two big plays that were that were pretty shocking, it just feels better. So shout out to Gilman because he was a guy that, you know, he was stashed way down those depth charts. And we were sort of questioning when he was drafted, we're going, what's going on? He's got another guy from Notre Dame. Um, but credit to where credit's due, he makes a huge difference on that back end. Um, and shout out, and Diane Henley, yes, I understand the game was over and we're against the Div 2 quarterback. I'm going to keep saying that because so many people are like, oh, it's the fucking Bears. It's like, no, it's still NFL level. He looks good and he looked in, he looked instinctive and he looked fast as well. So let's just try and get some of these guys back in the game. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, Gilman. Big, big help. You're going to give Essang Bassi a shout out too? Or <laughs> I was thinking that? about it, but no, nah, he needs to do a little bit more. <laughs> Great to see someone's already taken JC's number. See you later, guy. Oh, and got a got a comment. He gave up two touchdowns and ninety yards against the Dolphins, and another one where he didn't even move, and Hill was past him for a touchdown. But uh, forgive and forget. But I'm um yeah I'm quite petty, and I focus on that stuff. Oh well, yeah. good riddance. Hope, that, hope those words don't come back to bite you in a few weeks' time when we're at the Patriots. Very good call. Uh, yeah. yeah, especially if they do something rare and different with their quarterback situation. But we'll get back onto the bolts. Anything further, fellas, uh, that you want to touch on? Um, Al, throw to you, mate. Yeah, well, I mean, the stats in this game were relatively close. If you just look at, like, the team performances, nothing stands out that strongly. We'll get into some negatives, I'm sure, in a second. But just looking at, you know, rushing yards, passing yards, a lot of the key basic stats, you wouldn't know where the margin in, in is in this game. We even had our own turnover that Eckler lost, right? Yeah. I think the key one in this was we won on fourth down, and there were just those little moments. It was Bose's play on the fourth and one. Yeah, it was Asante Samuel's play on the fourth down. So the Bears went one of four on fourth down. So that coupled with the turnovers in the early lead, we just that was how we drove it home, I thought. I think that's a really good point, Alistair. And, it, and that's what premium players should bring to the table. Everyone should be playing at a, at a certain level that is average, let's say. And it's those special players, like if it wasn't for Bosa and Mac, I don't know how the game would have played out because there was that huge completion. And then those two guys, your superstars, stand up early in the game where they're probably, you know, they're not really warm just yet, but they go in and go, okay, now we've got to set the tone here, guys. Um, huge stop, Mac. Huge stop, Bosa. That's why huge. you pay them the money. And yeah. that was really good to see because that to me is leadership. That shows leadership. Also, the play call is like, no, we've got to get pressure here. We've got to get to the quarterback, not sitting back being like, oh, we'll make a mistake. Go out and grab the game by the cojones. And I feel like that's what we need to do a little bit more. I'd like to see a little bit more aggression from Brandon Staley. Because so many times, especially against the Chiefs, we're playing that almost picket line or four high defense that just annoys the crap out of me. You've got to go into KC. I'm parking back to next week. Michael Davis said it. You've got to go in. You've got to take the game. Doesn't matter if you're on offense or defense. Speaking of the offense, Kellen Moore, is it that fucking hard, buddy? Is it that hard? What are you saying to the team at halftime or your guys at halftime? that is producing these disgraceful, discombobulated second halves. What is going on, buddy? Is it that hard? Come on. I, we know that the running game wasn't working, but Herbert was cooking. Why do we come out and score two field goals? It just had, again, this sense of the Jaguars game. Mm. I just was going, oh, yeah. It just doesn't feel right. So you've got some soul searching to do. Is it, Alistair, that... 
Kellen Moore's scheme is so simple to adjust to. You're going to need the halftime break to actually make those adjustments. And Kellen Moore's just not adjusting. And he just thinks that more of the same will get it done. Or is there a mindset shift? Or is it a combination? They're calling a lot of first down runs, first and 10 runs. So that yeah. suggests a mindset shift. As I tend to do, as is my want, I'll add some numbers to your observations, Jack, and then maybe Andy can put the icing on top with what he thinks about it. But the Bolts' second halves have been brutal. They've scored 16 points in the last four games. You start to compare Keller Moore versus Lombardi and who mm. is better and who is worse. We all like the stat EPA per play. It's quite an effective stat. Lombardi's first year... The team, were they were running hot. They were fifth in total EPA, but in second halves, they were eighth. Last year, we saw the opposite. First halves, we were seventh in EPA per play. Second halves, we were 26th. Guess where we are in Kellen Moore this year? As an overall team, as an overall offense, they're seventh in the league. In the first half, they're third. In the second half, they're 22nd. So... I'll throw to you, Andy, to kind of tie it together. Uh, is Callum Moore another Lombardi? Is he better than Lombardi? What What are you seeing as the differences? Well, this is really treading on my Yeah Now award this week because it was smack bang. Jackie got as fired up as I could ever imagine of getting about the irritation of this part of the game. Um, is is Callum... <laughs> The first thing I think of with the struggles in the run game, because we weren't really struggling earlier on in the season, is the the lack of Corey Lindsley. Um, and Will Clapp does his job in pass protection, but really struggles. It limits our runs. We don't really have the speed to run to get around the edge um, with such regularity. Uh, and at times I don't think we've really got the... Um, the athleticism in the offensive line to sort of push across and um, get get out to block that sort of uh, zone de design. Um, do I think he's Lombardi? No, I don't. But it's really interesting in this game where we excel and are as dominant as we were on the scoreboard, we kind of resorted into somewhat of a Lombardi-esque Justin being comfortable kind of offense, maybe Kellen sort of said, let's make it work. As far as the, the run game goes, though, um, just a couple of extra stats. Lodi had this, Al had some great ones with the, the EPA and where we rank among the league. But uh, we went seven of ten first down plays in the second half as rushes that netted six total yards. So 48 Struck. wasn't great. 48 wasn't great in the first half, but... And that's excluding the, the final drive as well, the final possession. Um, so, yeah, nah, to whatever the hell that kind of plan was. Um, but it's, yeah, just, you know, we started second and 13, second and 11. Like, you're killing drives before they've even begun. And it's it's a really shit kind of mentality, I think, to have. If it's not working, why are you running the ball on first down and cutting us at the ankles straight off? It's just... Is it Q in the rack stuff? Is it because we pretty much had the game won? Jack, you said during, just before you say that, you said during the week there was a play early on where you felt, oh, we've won this. And I was like, what kind of naive Chargers supporter are you to think that it might have been either Mac or Bosa in the first defense, first defensive drive? And you've got, yeah. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> oh, mate. Um, I, to, to, I guess to answer your question about what it's, it, it, it's weird. Okay. I can logically think in my brain why Lombardi might go into a shell after halftime. He's never really, he's never been a quarterback in the league. He's, he's been an offensive play caller for a long time. He's part of the old school mentality or older school, should I say. It, it just doesn't make sense to me with Kellen Moore. Is Kellen Moore trying to be too cute? Is he, I'd expect a guy who'd played quarterback to know what momentum feels like, to know what it means to come out in a second half and go run, run, pass. And how that as a quarterback, you know, you're controlling the offense and that how deflating that is to go three and out, three and out, or you just, and after such a hot first start, why don't you just go, Hey, keep it rolling, buddy. Because that's what I'd want. That's what I want. I used to be a quarterback. Let's keep it rolling. Um, and there's also these little things, and this is perhaps a little bit into my teachable moment, but I might just rejig that slightly, um, Alistair, because I know you want to say something. But 
is he being too cute? Um, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of having McFadden in at fullback. Personally, I I think that's, um, listen, everyone says, oh, it's clever play design. I love it. I love it. But we had a guy called Xander Horvath on the team that was built to do just that and probably has a better skill set that could be weaponized more effectively in the offense. Now, Jordan McFadden, awesome, cool. Not as you telltale know. either. Like, you, you know what's exactly. going on, don't you? And, and with Trey McKitty being uh, completely off the squad now, there's a spot for a guy that can block and do those types of things that a fullback does. I, there's, they just play funny buggers with their... With it's almost like they're getting in their head, and with that um that fourth down, yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of games ago where Kellen Moore ran one one week and then tried to do the same thing but did something different in the same formation, just feels yeah. like he's getting in his own head a bit. Just free him up, man. Just play your first halves in the second. It's not that hard. It can't be that hard. Well, the difficulty is the tension between wanting to reduce the clock in the game when you have a very significant lead by keeping it going and running the ball and wanting to score points. Every offensive play caller who goes into a second half with a lead has to grapple between this risk-reward proposition because people will kill you if you're up by two scores and you throw a pick six and then you throw a pick six. Why is he throwing the ball? You've got a lead. So it, what there Andy is Reed a balance do? there. Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't. I've, I don't know. But but you're right. They're, they're, you you want to keep the foot on the throat, but you also need to be able to win games on the ground. This is unsustainable, the fact that we can't run it when we want to. You need to be able to run it when you want to run the ball. And I I slightly disagree with you, Jack, because I like, I like that they are trying different formations and personnel groupings to kickstart the run game. And at least the three times they had McFadden as a fullback in their Hulk package... And it gave me a hard on. Um, it worked each <laughs> each did time. You, worked. Did you dislocate that too? Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Andy popped Fucking it back in for me. See Andy's Don't popped it back in me. for me. Don't. So, so <laughs> the the team has a paucity, a, a, a very few capable blocking linemen and tight ends in the running game. At least putting McFadden in and, and yes we don't have Horvath maybe that'll change but it's trying something it's trying to find what can we what can we make our identity as a rush offense because we don't have one at the moment and it will lose us games against any good defense but how do you how do you go from 200 plus yards in week one to what we are now that shows to me that there was something unsustainable going on and that either the preparation for the running game is just not good enough Justin Herbert's checking out of them because he's not confident. Eckler being away, being out yeah, is huge. It can't just be Lindsley, right? It can't just be yeah. Lindsley because he's not even a fantastic run blocker. To be honest, that's he's a better pass protector. Yeah, but it's up here though with the run blocking. It's Agreed. what he does is he commands and he lets people know what to do. He backs up others. No, he's not because he's not he's not a big guy. But I mm. think it's just the confidence he would exude coming to the line. I know exactly where we're going. Watch where's the mic. Watch that. It's the protection. It's the mentality that he brings, yeah. which Will Clapp just doesn't. Yeah, agree. And while we're kind of having a go at some coaching, I do want to be fair. Brandon Staley did something that absolutely shit me to tears. And I think it's really important to call things out when people are liable to forget about it because it didn't impact the result. But in this game, the Chargers had a 24 to seven lead halfway through the third quarter. And it was a fourth and four on the Chicago 35. You're, so you're up by 17 points. You've got a choice between a fourth and four or send Dicker out for a 53 yard field goal to take the margin from 17 to 20. Taking a margin from 17 to 20 barely increases win probability. Agreed. And not only that, but your chance of hitting a 53-yard field goal, which before that game Dicker had done once in his career, is that actually even a higher probability than Herbert completing a fourth and four? It's got to be close, right? Just completing it. And if you hit that fourth and four... New set of downs, time keeps going. And then if you score a touchdown on that drive, it's game over because we're talking about a 24-point margin. When he sent Dicker out for that field goal, all that he's doing is potentially creating a Jacksonville debacle where you put your team up by 20 points instead of 17. That means three touchdowns win the game. You're really leaving open 
the door for the other team to ram it home. So I'm going to call that out because that any analytical tool will tell you you go for the fourth and four there instead of sending out Dicker on a 53-yard attempt. Class dismissed. <laughs> court dismissed. Yeah, court yeah. dismissed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I agree with you. You got visually upset when that happened, and I, I do agree with you. It's it's continuing his inconsistent, like sort of coaching mantra. Just got cockshy after the first year, where a few things didn't go his way, got criticised, and now he's not even sure of what he's doing half the time on those uh, those calls himself. So, yeah. Um, Jack, anything, anything more from you, mate, before we move along to Al's Naya award? No, no. Um, I just wanted to counter the trying to get something going in the running game and the Lindsley as well. And I think what Lindsley also might do is call protection and help the tight ends, which are dastardly in blocking in the run game. I don't know what the answer is. Um, and I did also want to just respond. Um, someone said, I made a note in the game I put on Twitter at the end that Eckler is probably the third most important behind Lindsley and Herbert. Um, I still believe that when Eckler plays, we have a far better chance of winning than almost anyone else who is out. Um, he just makes the team go. He's Justin Herbert's safety valve. What he does, that the connection that he and Herbert have and what he does on the ground after the catch is just phenomenal. And I hope that he, for, for, I hope to the gods that he stays at the Chargers because I think it would be great for him to retire as a Charger. I love the guy. Um, and, uh, and let's just hope we can get this running. And also let's get Kelly some touches too because I thought he actually ran okay. But anyway, yeah, that's yeah. enough. Agree. All right, I've got the Nah Yeah Award this week, which is uh, something good. And we've touched upon it briefly. I'm going to give it to both of the starting linebackers for the Chargers, Eric Hendricks and Kenny Murray. And why it's Nah Yeah is because the way this season started had fans wondering why did we let Tranquil leave. Kenny Murray had a 29.4 PFF grade against Miami. Then Eric Hendricks does his hammy, misses weeks two and three. But since then, the two of them have been dominating in the middle of the field. Kendricks has had 80-plus PFF grades in two of his last three games. October was definitely the best month of football in Kenny Murray's pro career. He had 23 tackles, 14 run stops, a sack, a PBU. So the two of them together are really doing a great job behind this run defense. So, yeah, nah, nah, yeah. Let's go into the linebackers. Nice. I touched on mine. Uh, earlier with the run game situation. So, Jack, your teachable moment, my friend. Very quick teachable moment that came to me as I was listening to the commentary team on Sunday night. I think practicing being grateful is a really important part of uh, your mental health. And I definitely do it every day. And the classes that I teach and the students that are in my care, um, when we have time to reflect, being grateful is a really wonderful thing i just thought how lucky we are as chargers fans when the graphic came up of you know from 2006 to 2023 how many quarterbacks that bolts had versus the new york jets and bears, bears. when that the bears sorry i should say i've already moved on um the bears you could equally say that for the jets too uh <laughs> the Bears, and you go, wow, we had one game from Tyrod Taylor, but other than that, we have had absolute troopers at the quarterback position. My mind went back to when Philip Rivers played with a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. What an absolute warrior he was, and he just wanted to be on the field, no matter what his ailments were, whether they be mental or physical. And then you hear what Justin Herbert said about his finger that the bone was poking through the top. And he went, yeah, hmm, that was pretty cool. And you just think how lucky we are considering there are some quarterbacks in this league that have a little ailment and they go and they leave the facility and they refuse to play. So in this instance, we had a good game, but that just made me think how lucky are we to have two cornerstones of the franchise play and we've been lucky enough to experience them. So that's my teachable moment. Be grateful, motherfuckers. Class dismissed. Yeah. Get her, Mr. Reed. <laughs> Jeez, All right. The way well, that, the, just before you jump in, the way that uh, he spoke about his finger makes Al seem like a real pussy with his thumb. Eh? <laughs> Play on. Yeah. All right. Stop well, with that gendered language. Let's go, Jack. 
now we get into one of our fun segments. We're rolling this back. We did it um, on one of our guest series a few months ago. This is called Just Give Me 30 Lightning Bolt Edition. Uh, we've put together a series of questions uh, for each of us that we're going to ask in turn. And we're each going to have about 30 seconds to answer them. Now, some of them are prepared and we have uh, looked at them beforehand. So we've got some uh, ideas about what we want to say. Some of them are completely off the cuff. So uh, you'll hear this sound. And that symbolizes when that person needs to stop talking and finish what they are saying. So Alistair, this is your first question. Is there anything NFL coaches and players could learn from Australian rules football? Go. Yes, there is, Jack. They could. Uh, what they could do is defenders could learn how to what we call spoil. And that is to try and stop a receiver catching the ball with a clenched fist. The number of times, especially on Hail Mary passes, you see defenders trying to intercept the ball only for it to bobble off their hands into the waiting arms of a receiver. It is not the most effective way to kill a play. Clench your fist, punch the ball, spoil it, as we say in the AFL. Okay. Uh, I reckon you might. Uh, it's Alistair Lloyd. Spoiling school. Watch out, Darren Bennett. There's a new Aussie in the NFL coaching. Uh, Andy, uh, what did you think of the Chargers' approach to the trade deadline today? Would you have done anything differently? Go. I can't say that I was surprised that the team did next to nothing for a couple of reasons. It's not exactly Tommy's MO uh, to be picking up the phone. Uh, the word sheepish comes to mind off the top. Teams heading towards um, a cap nightmare in 2024. So bringing any high-end player with that sort of thick cap hit uh, was all but sort of ruled out. Um, I guess for me, what I'd do, areas of concern, cornerback depth. Uh, three of us have spoken off the show about the Bills trading for Rasul Douglas. That would have been nice. Speed at wide receiver, I feel, even with Guyton coming back still and missing piece. Um, and get on the hunt for a tight end. Well done. All right, Jack, I've got one for you, mate. What has impressed you the most about Brandon Staley this season? Here we go. <laughs> when I got this one, I went, thanks, Alistair. Cheers, mate. Uh, listen, I think as a leader of an organization, the amount of stress that you're going to be under week in, week out. Yes, he's shown a few cracks, and we've been critical of those cracks on this podcast, as have many people. But the fact is, he's fronting up every day to work, and he's trying to stay as positive as he can be. That I'm not making this sound like I'm. I'm just giving lip service to him. I can't imagine the amount of stress that he's under, um, and he's the, the team's still playing. The team won, uh, and we'll see if they can get the win against the Jets. So just his stick to itiveness and his determination. Well done, mate. Ah, and you get the easy one, Alistair. So what has impressed you least about Brandon Staley this season? Nothing. No, it was, <laughs> it's, it's the, it was the inability to have this team prepared early in the season and losing the fan base in the process. After the Jacksonville debacle last year to end the year, we just needed a strong start. And the defensive performance against Miami was pitiful, ill-discipline creeping in from players, the first half against Kansas City. It's this lack of preparation, which I would have thought a super prepared, controlling type like Staley would be all across. But the year ain't over yet. Fresh face, fresh approach. Let's go, Brandon. All right, Andy. This is a tough one. I looked at this one and went, wow, this is a challenging one to answer in under 30 seconds. Is Justin Herbert having his worst year as a starting quarterback? Why or why not? I think no, but he's making a habit of starting off seasons pretty slowly. So if we go through, he's around similar areas as far he's a little bit lower than his best season in terms of touchdowns. Uh, it's his equal best season um, as far as interceptions go. I think when you factor in the loss of Mike Williams, Corey Lindsley, and the broken finger, he's doing a better job than probably could be expected. He's on his third OC. Um, I've seen a bit of growth against and throughout the season so far and against the, the hapless Bears. Maybe that's the confidence he needed to sort of shake off the injury and get his team and his season back on track. Ooh. Okay, Jackie boy, one for you. What are a couple of easy wins the Chargers could implement immediately to improve their organization. 
We've Good talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it. Get your second halves on offense right. There has been enough, uh, and, and to get your get your superstars healthy. We've seen that when the defense is healthy, uh, there are those plays that change games. Uh, I would have loved to see a tight end or a cornerback or a safety or a wide receiver or someone else just join the team in free agency. Uh, let's get Xander Horvath in because we're going to need some blocking because Trey McKitty's gone. I don't know where another tight end is going to come from. Um, but other than that, it looks like I don't know what other easy wins because there's no easy wins in the NFL. All right, that was a hard one. Uh, okay, Alistair, these are now secret questions. Sell so... the team. Next question. <laughs> these are secret questions uh, that I've cooked up and the guys have cooked up some for me. So, Alistair, I'm going to say this slowly because this might take you a little while to compute. Oh, if right. the Chargers' three phases, offense, defense, and special teams, were three meals for a dinner party, which, oh, order, would, which order would they be in? Entree, main, and dessert. And what might these meals look like? 30 seconds, go. Unbelievable. <laughs> I would I would serve up the special teams first because you just want just a little appetizer, something mouth-watery, a, a, a little like uh, maybe a gazpacho soup. That's how I see Ryan Fick and J.K. Scott, just a bit of cold gazpacho. You're not really impressed, but you give it a whirl. Next in comes your fucking entree, comes your main meal. It's the offense. It's Justin Herbert, prime rib. And then you're bursting at the seams. You're actually feeling quite unwell, and the defense <laughs> rolls out onto the field. What it actually is, it's my mum's fucking cake she's put together in 45, 40, 45 minutes when she gets home from work, and it tastes like shit. <laughs> You can't oh. smash your mum's cooking. Shout out to Lena Lloyd's cooking. Fucking regret oh, that. Gosh. I also All haven't right. lived at home for about 10 years, so I don't know where I pulled that from anyway. All right. More like, more like okay. 10 minutes, mate. Okay. Okay. All right, Andy. Um, this is another food-related question. Uh, Swiss, Swiss cheese is to Staley's defense as what is to the Chargers offense? Go. At, t- at times, gazpacho. Swiss cheese. Shit. Uh, I'm going to say any kind of like cured meat. You know, there's a little bit of like tasty goodness in there, and there's like you get just a little bobble of like hard fat in the salami, and like you got to peel back the skin, you got to work to get all of it. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, any kind of my fiance's dad's. Salami. It also <laughs> it also hardens arteries as well, and probably yeah. send you to an early yeah. grave. Yeah, Andy just... works hard for his salami. All right, let's <laughs> let's give Jack a question each. Um, Andy, I'll, I'll go first, and then you can follow me. Jack, does Twitter, social media generally, but Twitter specifically, bring more benefit or detriment to your life? Me personally, I would say that it brings more positivity to my life. I think it's a good way to engage with fans. I don't, I'm not on it nearly as much as perhaps you, Alistair. For the greater good, I think it provides a place for people to voice their opinions. Now, the only issue with that is that some opinions are louder than others. And you also have someone controlling the opinions that matter and who do not. So in terms of for football, which is what my feed is, um, it's very beneficial. I see lots of different things. Uh, When people do come at you, it is uh, quite confronting. You do get to deal with that though. Um, and sometimes whatever you say, Pete, someone's going to shoot you down. So in that sense, positive, but also a bit of negative. Great answer. Nice one. My question that I had for Jack has been run through the dirt tonight. So I'm coming up with one off the top of my head. Always should have backups prepared. Jack, under what circumstances this year would Brandon Staley be fired and Tom Telesco keep his job? Oh, Jeez. Uh, okay. Okay. What would happen is that would it be a very similar situation to last year where the Chargers creep into the playoffs, but there's a complete and utter disaster that happens in, in some game where it's another 27 to three or just a complete and utter failure of, um, of coaching that you can put it down to. Because Tom Telesco could always say that, hey, my squad was good enough. Even with bad coaching, it got us there. Imagine if we had a good coach. That's the only way that I could see it. And I, God, I hope to God that it doesn't happen. Uh, but that's probably the most 
apt or the most accurate that I can think of right now. Okay, can I finish off with two? I've got one more each to you. Big quick ones. All right, Alistair. Only if they're food related. <laughs> well, no, I've, I've set you up, Andy. So I hope to let you go. But before I do that, Alistair, if you were to buy Brandon's daily present for Christmas, what would you give him? Rogaine. <laughs> <laughs> Take off the hat. A Rogaine also, or I could give him the condensed form, minoxidil, uh, regain, uh, voucher to uh, hair house, warehouse, any of those things. The, the things that matter are superficial appearance-based. People would judge you off them. Brandon Staley, you need to work on that hair, my friend. I hope okay. you out. Tick, 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 tick. All right. Andy, I'm just going to say one thing to you. It's not a question. It's just one name, and I want you to riff for 30 seconds. That name is none other than Trey McKitty. Go. It might actually be my happiest day as a Chargers supporter to see not a, like disappointing that we didn't bring anyone in um, where I feel like we, we need some pieces, but to see him gone is just so good. Uh, it makes me feel a little bit more confident in just the way I walk down the street. And uh, it really just highlights the the disappointment and um, and lack of idea that the the team have to to keep him in the fold and get rid of someone with more versatility like my boy Xander Horvath. Come back, baby. Come back to Papa. Hey, that was just give me thirty. That was good fun. Let's we should do that more often. That's good fun. Good, good. Awesome. Fun. Thanks for that, Jack. Appreciate it. All right, let's get stuck into the Week 9 Jets preview. Uh, around the Chargers camp following the game, pretty positive uh, press conferences, as you'd uh, imagine. On the injury front, Josh Palmer did some real yucky-looking thing to his knee, mm. returned to the game and was running fine, and then was quoted by saying, "I like, doesn't matter if I'm hurt. I've just got to, like, I can't let my guys down, paraphrasing. Um, so we'll sort of watch to see what happens. Interesting with hopefully Jalen Guyton coming back. We would love to have uh, as many firing cylinders as we could. Asante Samuel Jr. checked out in the fourth quarter of the game after a big hit. Mm. I only really noticed he was gone when all of them were out. So uh, the last 12 snaps, I think it was. Um, but yeah, hopefully just precautionary more than anything else. Nothing really more uh, to add Everything else sounds good. Joey Bosa sounds like he's feeling the best he has all year. He's over the fractured toe um, and it showed on the weekend. So Jack, over to you for what went down in the New York derby. Well, um, this was this was a bit of a barn burner, actually, I thought. Um, but in this case, the barn burns down completely. Uh, the farmer is left with no hay, no livestock. His wife leaves him, his kids um, leave him and hate him. He's got no happiness in life. Um, and it was just a wet monsoon hole in the ground. That's kind of what, that's what I thought this game was. Funnily enough, I saw a great stat that this game featured 24 combined punts for 1,078 yards. Now, I don't know. That just sings barn burner to me. Credit to Zach Wilson, played pretty awfully, had his third, had a, had a third string center who was on the practice squad or not even in the building a couple of weeks ago, um, snapping to him. He dragged him to victory, Greg the leg, uh, sealed the victory with that kick in overtime. Um, and I think someone must have concealed a hypodermic needle in the uh, in the Giants, in the Jets defense because Taylor was making, I think it was his third start. Um, with Daniel Jones out and hurt his ribs going to the ground. So someone's just gone in the middle of the, uh, in the pack, just gone, bang, suck that that Tyrod. (laughs) Yeah. In the ribs. The old pericardial. The old pericardial needle. Um, And then Danny DeVito's son came on and and played, which I thought was kind of interesting. (laughs) It was just a shitter version of twins. Um, (laughs) The Giants. (laughs) That. Da- uh, Daniel Jones, come up f- and play football. Tommy. I could be president. Um, the Giants <laughs> finished with negative nine net passing yards, which is quite unbelievable. 
Uh, just some injuries from that game that are relevant to us. Salah said that Al Woods is done for the season with another Achilles in the land of the Jets. Connor McGovern left um, and Wes Schweitzer left as well, have tests Monday. The biggest thing, Alistair, you picked it off watching this game. The biggest highlight for me was Dexter Lawrence and gosh, what a player he is. We don't have to worry about him, but he was a privilege to watch. Absolutely mauling the young blonde-haired quarterback. So uh, that's about sums up the Jets. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he, he ran amok. 15 pressures. Impressive. But we're here to talk about the Jets, and they do have some nasty defensive players of their own. Oh, yeah. uh, Jackie pointed out that there is myriad inconsistencies with um, this handy, like, handy uh, weaponized offense, but Zach Wilson just can't really sort his shit out. He did show a couple of moments here or there of evading a bit of pressure, probably Dexter Lawrence, but on the whole, like you get him, you get him flushed out to the left and him throwing across his body is just Bambi's mom in front of a car. Um, <laughs> so, uh, look, I mean, there's not really any part of this defense that's, that's struggling this year. Um, you're getting awesome play. Uh, from the line, getting through. They've got pressure up the middle, pressure on the outside. Uh, Jermaine Johnson was pretty bloody awesome to watch yep. uh, on the weekend, as was Quinn and Williams. Yep. Um, bloody handy. Jordan Witherspoon, three interceptions, albeit in that first game. Um, but great coverage. Source Gardner, you don't want to throw the ball to him. Getting great coverage out of their linebackers. Uh, I oh, mentioned CJ Mosley as well. And man, like they're just... Big hitters. Um, Dude, Qu Quincy Williams is a freak. That's Quinton's yeah. brother. He's having an all-pro season. Between him and Mosley, they're both in the high 80s as a PFF grade. They're incredible. In, they're, in the, uh, they're in the 90s for coverage, yeah. Um, astounding. Stupid. Like we're, we're talking about Eric Kendricks and, and Kenny Murray and going, yeah, yeah, but like... Holy Quincy smokes. Williams was everywhere against the uh, against the Giants. He was everywhere. Mm. Yeah, getting good, um, decent play out of even like backup edge guys like John Franklin Myers. Um, yep, and he showed he showed up on the weekend. Bryce Huff's getting a bit of bit of work going in. Will uh, McDonald, their line is crazy. Will McDonald, that's the guy. Solomon Thomas, what the fuck? Yeah, that's it's so nuts. Good. It's uh, it's a it's a pretty concerning uh, defense to be coming up against, to be honest. It's well coached as well. Salah's a big cured meat guy as well, I'd imagine. Um, or just Schwarma. packs, or just Schwarma. packs, Schwarma. Or, pack, or just packs pack. a big shawarma. Yeah, you two are right. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Uh, what have you got to add? Anything more specific about this defense? Because you know we can, we can, we can play against the offense. No, I think uh, but... you summed it up. They don't really have a weakness, which is a pretty big problem. Um, they're staunch against the run. They're deadly against the pass. All three corners are great. I mean, it's going to be a tough slog. They're, they're very good on that side of the ball. Do you think, Jack, uh, that their offense has any particular strengths or you're, you're not really worried about anyone on that side of the ball? You know, they've got their running back, Brees Hall. Yeah, they've got Brees Garrett Halls. Wilson. How, how do you see them? Oh, I, I, I love uh, with Rodgers in this offense I think I thought it was primed and ready for a Super Bowl run um, Wilson just doesn't have the command over the line nor does he have the skill just yet to throw to I mean Wilson is an exceptional route runner he's kind of he strikes me as a little bit Keenan Allen-y but a little bit um, uh, a little bit sort of Stefan Diggsy a little bit he's, he's sort of all he's, he's quite incredible actually and Brees Hall I thought has has had a good comeback year after mm. his ACL uh, and and CJ is, is Uzoma, I believe, is actually having a really good year at tight end. So it's just can they can Wilson get them the ball uh, when it's when it's third and long, second and long? They get they're going to rely on his arm to win. I just don't think it's good enough, even though that defense is um, is exceptional. Uh, it's, Wilson is just not. I mean, he's I think he's better than what he was last year, and I think eventually with Rogers' guidance, he will be a good quarterback. I don't think he'll be a superstar, living yeah. up to his draft, but. Um, yeah, no, other than that, I can't see much. And there, yeah, you'll talk about their offensive line in a second, I'm sure. Yes, in fact, now. 
And the transition's nice because when you're looking at weaknesses of this team, Zach Wilson's the obvious one. He's currently the 30th out of 36 eligible quarterbacks, according to PFF. The five touchdowns, the five interceptions, and his pressure grade remains a problem. That was his knock in college. You didn't see as much of it because he got great protection at BYU. Here, though, in the NFL, his pressure grade is 41.3. He really struggles. If he's got a clean pocket, he's okay because he throws a pretty ball. But as soon as you get anything on him, he really does panic and he'll throw it up for grabs. And under this offensive line, Jack, there will be plenty of opportunities to get pressure on him. You called it early, earlier. They're down to their third center, Xavier Newman, who's an undrafted guy. Um, they even, like... T- to be fair to them, their best player on the line, Elijah Vera Tucker, out for the season with an Achilles. Their starting left tackle, Dwayne Brown, he's on IR with the hip. Joe Tipman, their rookie, he's injured with a thigh. So actually their depth is pretty impressive because they still have Mackay Becton at left tackle, Max Mitchell at right. Both of them can be exploited by the likes of Bozer and Mack. Their guards, they've got Lakin Tomlinson, former 49er, Billy Turner, former Green Bay, they gave up 24 pressures against the Giants and three sacks. So that's the big weakness. Can we get pressure? Can Tooley have a good game again? We didn't talk about him that much, but he had a bit of a quieter game against Mm. Chicago, I thought. So there are a couple of key ones on offense. Um, But boys, feel free to jump in with any other weaknesses of your own. Yeah, well, just on that, Mackie Becton's given up 22 pressures on the year and Lakin Tomlinson at guard has given up 20 um, and I think in order for that to happen, I guess we really need some strong output from our interiors on the defensive line to force that pressure up the middle as well, because it's all well and good. Mac and Bosa doing their bit around the edge and containing Brees Hall, which I feel like is their only sort of offensive way of um, causing any problems for us. And then just a little bit of hold up in, in pass protection and firing the trigger to Garrett Wilson. But um yeah, look, nothing really further for me to add. Um, just I watch just... Wilson's legs. That's the only thing. He loves to run and he's been running relatively well. Yeah. Uh, but but I think with the speed of Kendricks around and him quarterback, quarterback spying, and I think the amount of pressure that's going to come on both edges towards him, I, he's going to be running for his life. I, I hope that he is and he should be. And Brandon Staley should cook up a good defensive game plan. Agreed. Any case to victory, fellas? Results? What are we thinking? This is simple for me. How tough? How tough are we? Yep. How tough are we? This is the first of this type of game we're going to have played this year. Are we prepared to play tough, maybe wet football in New York against arguably the best defense in the NFL? Offense is going to struggle. All game. We're going to have to get lucky with some jet sweep sort of stuff. Maybe some trick plays with Darius Davis. We're going to struggle to pass protect for our receivers. Our receivers are going to struggle to beat their DBs. So uh, I don't know what we're going to do in this game on offense. We're going to have to get Herbert outside the pocket and have some design runs and rollouts and quick screens. On defense, I don't think we can do what Wink Martindale did. He blitzed Zach Wilson on 55.8% of downs. That's almost in that Flores territory, but that's not really what we do. So I think it's going to come down to can we stop the run? You know, it's been a strength, but we haven't really faced a running back of the caliber of a Brees Hall. So I think that's how they're going to attack us. So can we stop the run? Are we prepared to get tough? I'm going to say, yes, we can. But only just, I have us winning this game 17 to 14. It's going to be a slog. It's going to come down to a dicker field goal because on our last drive, Herbert is going to air it out and we're going to get in field goal range and we'll walk off with a 50-yarder and we'll take it to four and four. This game for me, I've just got one or two words here and that's no excuses. This is a defensive head coach versus a defensive head coach. One defense is Utterly, utterly dominant and built really well. I love the scheme that they play. And he has an absolute shriveled offense to match his defense in Salah. Staley, on the other hand, has built his defense in the mirror or the image that he wants. 
has no hasn't been as dominant, but he's got arguably a top five quarterback and a pretty healthy offense bar Mike Williams on the other side. This is an absolute no excuses game for Brandon Staley. And I'm going to say that if he loses this one, I think that might be the ka-ching. That might be the guillotine falling. Um, might not happen then, but that might be the uh, the death knell. However, I'm saying that that doesn't happen. I think I have a, I, I think it might be a torrid affair. I think it's going to be 24 charges, 13, because I just don't I just don't know how the Jets are going to find the end zone, um, bar maybe a run or, or a half decent drive. So 24, 13 charges win. Nice. Love you the get optimism. me every time. I've got nowhere. Like, I feel like you say the team shit, and then you go, Chargers win by more than 15 points. <laughs> got to keep them. Got to keep them on their toes, buddy. Got to keep them on their toes. Uh, what were those scores again, Jack? 20... 24-13. 24-13. Nice. I have the Chargers winning 20-10, and as far as I'm aware, first defensive touchdown of the season coming for Ooh. us. Who gets uh, it? I love it. Oh. DJ. Kenny. Okay. Kenny. Scoo- scoop and score. Kenny or Eric. I think it's going to be one of those two. I think it's going to be a fumble recovery. Sort That's of a affair. South Park game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good you one. killed Zach Wilson. Eric. You <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, three wins from us. Uh, let's hope we can uh, square the ledger at four and four. Thanks for tuning in with us, guys. Hope you enjoyed the win last week, and we look forward to celebrating another one next week. See you next time on the Thunder Down Under Charters Podcast. See you later. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, 10, 